Well, great to be back with you, everyone. Rumble Over the Thunder podcast number 29 coming at you. Dan Strong, how are you? Doing quite all right. Andy Monday, you got some numbers. 29. 29. My fondest memory of that would be Doug Herbst in the Miller Genuine Draft. He always had the big hairdo. It looked like a perm on the top of his head. Kind of like Lil Bennett used to have? Yep. I've got pictures. Identical looking cars. Okay. Number two and 29. Uh, funny fact, you actually had to have that hair to have the Miller sponsorship back in those days. Is that, is that how that works? Rusty Wallace. Think about him. Yep. There you go. Yeah. That's another one. How about uh, ooh, who else had that? What about what about Bobby Allison? He know. had that gold and white Miller Genuine draft. We're going to have to too. go back and see if we can find the lettuce on him, though. <laughs> see if he had the proper salad. I think he was out of lettuce at that point. See if he point. had the proper salad for that. And then Dick Trickle filled in for him? There, oh, he definitely never had no, that. No, I was going to say, JVO had that sponsorship for a little bit. He didn't, I, no. I know he didn't have that kind of hair either. Jack Pankratz, that'd be another one. Yeah, Jack Pankratz, Domino's 29. pizza. There you go. Late, limited late model, late model. Yep. I, one and a half I got the, one, I got the guy got, who's uh, throwing darts right behind me. Yeah. Cody, Cody Shepard. Got Sokolik in, in the sport trucks. Justin Dirks in the Midwest Elite oh, yeah. Series. Back Adrian Carrier's yeah. black yeah. and white car. His brother's actually bought a transmission from him one time, and uh, I sent it in to get refreshed. And the guy doing the work called me, and he goes, where did you get this transmission? And right away I thought, uh-oh, what is wrong with this thing? And I said, well, I bought it from Justin Dirks. And he goes, oh. Every component inside of it has a Hendrick Motorsports number 24 stamp on it. <laughs> I said, oh, well, that's a good thing, right? He goes, yeah, we're, we're just going to put new seals in it and send it right back to you. You're good to go. And, and how did you do with that? Good. Yeah. Good. We ran it for a lot of years, and now Marty Nussbaum has it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, we're looking at Bobby Allison. He's got more of a, more of a quaffed, I would say. Yeah. I'd go more of a quaffed. Certainly not the perm. But. Not the perm, but... Now all of our listeners are, are trying to Google quaffed. Quaffed. <laughs> Spell that for him, Matt. <laughs> K-waft. Uh, so on to more racing-related things. Fox River Racing Club Banquet in the books happened this past Saturday. Of course, we're recording on the following Monday. We'll have interviews with Casey Johnson and Jesse Bernhagen. Dan, I think we'll put those on the tail end. We'll do those... As the last two things, we'll do Casey Johnson and Jesse Bernhagen at the end. But you're making Sounds Dan's like a job idea. really easy. Yeah, I'm, yeah. He's an engineer, but sometimes you need a little bit of direction, right? Just Absolutely. Point him in the direction. But a couple of drivers getting some special awards. Obviously, the you know most of the awards going in. You know who won the championship. You know who's going to get this. Who's going to get that? There's some random Rookie draws. Of the years decided. Yep. Right. But there's the most improved driver and the best appearing car that are always up for grabs. And those are kind of the ones that guys want to win because those are the ones you don't expect. So who are our lucky victors this season? So in the super late models, I believe it was actually a tie, um, and Mickey Shally got the tiebreaker. He he moved up 10 spots this year, I believe from would have been 21st to 11th, which for a most improved driver award, that's probably one of the, the biggest jumps in position. I think every year it's usually only four or five spots. So... When you have a guy or two guys with Taylor Vandermoss uh, that gained 10 spots, that's pretty remarkable. So nice job by both those guys yeah. on most improved driver. And Mickey, calling you out here on the podcast. Remember, I picked you to win a race this year. <laughs> you got most improved, so eh, that's pretty good. But 
you got to win two next year now. Yeah, and he's shooting for big things next year. I know he hasn't finalized his plans for 2019, but expect to see something soon about uh, him putting a, a brand new car together for next year. Yeah, I hear lots of guys are switching and changing and not necessarily changing teams or anything like that, but maybe going different routes on the uh, on the chassis. We can get into that a little bit later in the offseason. The rumor there, mills. Yeah, the rumor mills are stirring already. Uh, best appearing car, Corey Manders. Very nice looking car, always looks sharp. They take, He and his dad and his team do a very good job of taking care of that thing and making sure it looks sharp. Yeah, I think that's well-deserved, and, and Corey had some rough luck this year where the car got tore up a few times, but it always came back to the track looking nice. He always does a nice job, um, like on the 4th of July. It's He's got the American flag numbers, everything like that. And it's not just like every other car out there that you see that has a, a crazy half wrap down the side. They actually put some work into the design, picked out the paint. I believe it was kind of like a Dale Jr. ghost-type theme, if I remember right, seeing, like Nationwide Series. And, uh, yeah, that car looks sharp all year. Yeah, and it's got to be a little bit harder for him, too, because not only do you have to design, but you have to integrate all of the sponsors that he has he has so many just like you where you you've done a good job of integrating those sponsors and that could be hard because this person's logo is pink and blue and this person is green and red and then you got your designs in mind it's not always easy to get everything onto yeah, the canvas exactly. is it exactly no it's it's tough and it's got to all flow together because like you said if he's got a black and and white and orange or black and silver and orange car and all of a sudden you throw up say a Darboy corner store on there and it's green it's it's not going to work so you gotta you kind of make it all flow together right and then in the late models one guy took both clean sweep clean yeah. sweep of the special awards mike king jr yeah and um i don't know where mike finished in the standings last year but you could definitely see the improvement this year um, I think it was a big step for him picking up that feature win. Um, so well-deserved, most improved driver. And, again, that car uh, I think always looks sharp, too, every week. You know, I, I know they um, do a lot of work with, uh, I believe, Woody. Woody Signs okay. has done yep. Mike King's stuff for years. So um, that the, his stuff always looks nice, even when Mike raced on the dirt. So it's cool to see see them pick that world. I really like the change, not, not anything against the red car at all, but I really like the change to the blue car this year. I really thought when I saw it the first time this year that just something about that blue car looked really nice. Yeah, and I think sometimes in the dark or even when the sunlight hit it, it almost had like a hint of purple. So is it dark blue or is it purple? You know, that it's kind of a nice nice flow to it. And, and the award isn't, you know, some people have this misconception too that the award is for just the car looks awesome it's the best design but the other part of the award is maintaining it and keeping it look nice throughout the season so you know you don't get to week 14 and your number is zero 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 four zero zero of all the right. tire circles down the side <laughs> you're cleaning it up you're replacing panels as needed you're replacing vinyl and you're keeping it looking sharp every week when you come out there and i think another thing we should mention too is that award is also voted upon by drivers of other divisions so the super stocks vote for the four cylinders, I believe, and then vice versa. And then the super late models and the late models vote for each other. So it's kind of a who's catching the eye of the other drivers in the pits. Yep, exactly. Yep. So, so vote from your peers. Do you remember offhand the best appearing cars of the other divisions? Well, uh, Scott's here. He'd probably remember the four-cylinder. I know the uh, four-cylinder. Who was the four-cylinder? PT Cruiser. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. Okay. Bob Boyd did it. That's... Come yep. on. That, that's I do a remember that now. Yeah, 523. 
I would with think. the ghost theme, skull thing on the side. What's that? Right. With the green and black? Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't make it all the way through the year, though. No? No. He's uh, starting 106th for the Wausau Enduro this week. I know he's excited. I saw that. Hey, nice <laughs> turnout for the Kakana Enduro, too, the ISS yeah, Enduro good. at the end of the year. What do they have? 80-some cars? Yeah, they had a lot of cars. I don't think and they quite got to their 100 mark, but they were right. really close. And someone who I've never heard of in my life won it. Not, you know, usually it's those four-cylinder guys kind of have a name and a following, and you've seen them race somewhere before. Never heard of this guy before. It's good. Off the top of my head. I would have to go back and look at it, but a brand new winner. We need win new winners. Yes, we it's do. a good thing. Maybe he'll come out and race a little that bit That was more. a cool, brisk day. I remember being uh, downtown that morning at Oktoberfest with full winter gear on. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, we've had quite the winter, quite the... Quite the last couple of weeks since we last talked to you folks. I think about midway through September. I mean, we've crowned a lot of champions in the meantime. Your brother won a championship, won the Tundra Championship at the uh, September race at Marshfield by winning that one. And uh, we're going to have... That was a, pretty crazy out there. I've, I've heard stories. I didn't get to go because I had to go to a wedding. Really? Lauren Leach got married Whose that day. Whose wedding was that? Big L got married that day. You were there. <laughs> Yeah, that was quite the day, but yeah, good on him for winning that. And uh, yeah, so he kind of being the only the guy on used tires apparently, even though they were all, not going to try to throw the Marshall Tech staff under the bus <laughs> or anything here. But they were supposed to be policing tires, and they didn't. And then the one guy who actually followed the tire rule won. So I'm telling you, people out there, new tires aren't everything. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Brian's raced out at Marshfield before. He actually really enjoys running out there. Uh, when they can, and um, that was the old car still because of the wreck that happened the second to last week at Kokana. So old, old Bertha is her name. He had out there, and uh, yeah, picking up the win in the championship on his birthday of all days. It's kind of a, a good finish to the year for him. And um, should he be coming to the Tundra Banquet to celebrate? Yes, I already had a chat with him. We got right, goodies cool. for him. Well, then I'm coming too. We're good. We're in. It's at the Ho Chunk, December the eighth. It'll be a good Deal. time. Yeah, we want to know where Mike King Jr. finished. Last year, Mike King Jr., let me go down here. He finished 18th last year. He might have missed like a first week or something this too last year. year. Yeah, I think he might have missed a, a week or two. I feel like he did too. The only person who would know for sure. Is Mike for, King Jr. or yeah, Marty he's not here. Uh, and this year he finished. It had to be like six or seven. Seventh. Yeah. Okay, and while we're looking things up, dun, da, da, dun. the winner of the Impact Survival Series race at WIR, an individual by the name of Ridge Oien, O-I-E-N. Oien? O-I-E-N. Oien? Ridge. Is that an alias for Brody Rivest? I, I can't even recognize. The only guy I recognize in here is the Sasquatch-looking fellow, and that's Matt Rowe in this <laughs> particular picture. But uh, congratulations to Ridge uh, for picking up the win. And by the way, Eddie Munster is the point leader of the Impact Survival yes, Series. Yes, I heard that. No way. Yeah, going into the final night. All right. I think uh, this Kurt Schweitzer, Dan Thompson, Bob Voigt combo is 
pretty close up there Are they? in the standings. I, I, I saw something about Carl Ben being close, so they're too. Looking, looking forward to Wausau this weekend. You know what the nice thing is, though? When you have 100 cars and you got that many potential guys that could come in and spoil things, it's not like you've got three guys running first, second, and third every week. You know, there's, there's a chance for a spoiler to come in there and, and change things up, so... That's see, good. See if, good Eddie, racing. see if Eddie can hang on. He's won a lot of different kinds of championships. Yeah, I believe Jerry Munster's running this weekend, too. Oh, goodness. How old is Jerry now? We were trying to guess. Me and Bob were talking about that tonight at the bar. Um, I'm going to guess late 70s. Is but, he up to his car number yet? Because The Bryce Spore thing? Well, he's 79 now. He used to, he was four for the longest time, and then I think last year he changed it to 79. Okay. So, But he can still wheel it. No oh, yeah. question. No question. Watch him race that. at Luxembourg and Shano, and you don't miss a beat. Yeah. Well, speaking of other championships, Tundra Championship in the books. Congratulations to Casey Johnson. Go figure. Two championships in a month. Yeah. Three, I thought. Wisconsin Challenge? Nope. Nope, that Ryan was won Farrell by got Ryan that? Farrell, yeah. Well, there was one that – I thought there was one other one that I he won. I think you're thinking of the Wisconsin State Championships, which would be the final weekend of the season at Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He also very likely probably should have won the Madison Triple Crown Championship, but their final event got rained out. Right. So Austin Nason won that by a point or two. Yep. Yeah, that was uh, – and then Austin Nason also involved in the Midwest Tour Championship, which – yeah, let's talk about the Tundra one first because it kind of plays the same. You yeah. have the Tundra had six guys. My head was spinning. We had nine guys within 55 points going so into the El final so one. So had, had a chance. Yes, and we had two features that were full points. And the first feature went off pretty much without a hitch. Unfortunately, something went wrong with Brent Strelka. I don't know what it was. He brought his Kakana car down. And I thought he broke the rear end, but he came out for the second feature. That was the only caution of the first 55. Uh, Mike Litchfield won, and because he won, yeah, he came. He jumped from like seventh to fourth in the points. And then in the second feature, John Beale, who owns Casey Johnson's car, Casey's his crew chief uh, in the Tundra Series and in the Tour. Uh, John was running third, and Casey was running fourth for a pretty good chunk of the race. And the split there was good enough to give Beal the championship. But then if they finished second and third, oh, the, split the split wasn't enough. And it ended up a late restart. Uh, John decided to take the inside line. Casey went around the outside. He ended up passing John, who fell back to about fifth. Casey tried to run down Carson Quapel. Didn't get there. Carson won, but Casey got the championship and kind of an overall deal on the day. So Yeah, well-deserved, and that's always tough, too, when you're working so close together with another team and it comes down to the final race for a championship. Now it's like you kind of wonder, you know, are we handling business like we normally mm -hmm. do? Is it, you know, gloves are off? Yeah, All's fair in love and war in the last lap? There was definitely no F1 team orders <laughs> going on there. That was... That was something I was wondering might be happening, but hey, let's for a second just kind of switch gears and talk, talk about this Carson Quapple kid. Yeah. Have you seen him? You've seen him run a little oh, bit yeah. here. Real deal? Yeah. Well, the funny thing about it is we've, we've had this conversation in racing circles now since he came onto the scene is, uh, it, is Carson Quapple the next Ty Majeski per se, or is it the 
Toby Noodleman 91 car that has created Ty Majeski and Carson Quapel. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the debate right now is is that car that good that whichever driver you put in it's that good or did they find another driver that's continuing on that success? And I think it's got to obviously be a little bit of both. I would, but say it's so. fun to watch in the meantime. I will say this though about watching Carson and Travis comes every race and he's there supporting him. One thing that I, I really enjoy about watching with Carson is just how much of a level head he keeps as a young race car driver. You see some of the younger drivers out there, they figure they got a fast car, they think they have to win, they think they have to do this and that and all that other stuff to get the NASCAR. You especially see that out of the drivers down south. You don't see that out of Carson. If he's got a sixth place car, he's finishing sixth. And he will take that car to the finish line that way. If he's got a winning car, he'll be competing for a win. And you don't see Travis over there railing on him, grinding on him, anything like that. They're very calm. They got a good father-son relationship. They're joking around in the pits. And I think going forward, that's something that I'm going to continue to watch out for because I think that plays a huge part that Carson just, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of pressure on him. He's just out there, he's having fun, he's racing hard, and he's kind of staying within his means, which I think is a really, really good thing to see. Yeah, he's not putting that pressure on himself, which actually helps too. And I'm sure with Travis's success, you know, Travis Quapple, for those of you who don't know, uh, former NASCAR Truck Series champion, used to run around here with the NASCAR Remax Series. Um, you know, maybe Travis has that ingrained in him from his experiences and you know what's what it's what it takes to get to that next level and you know if, if you're driving through people to win and you're causing a lot of rifts and conflicts it's it's not going to get you anywhere even though the stat sheet says he did well and a lot of you may be wondering why on the fox river racing club podcast are we talking about this because i'm guessing there's a very good chance you'll see him racing at kakana this year yeah one way or another you know, red, i would white, imagine blue tundra yeah. series dixieland you know some of those specials will we see them weekly maybe maybe not you know if you get a team looking for a driver young driver to put in their car potentially but um definitely some of those specials for sure you're going to see that name around the state more yeah i would uh start looking out for that one now you talked about the car that's podcast number 35 by yeah, the way right <laughs> carson quapel travis dassel i mean that's Quapo, only six away yeah, we're, that, we're getting probably there. next May. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. See how active we are this off season, right? <laughs> now we talked a little bit about Carson Quapel, obviously driving the Brad Nancy Manstead car. Now let's talk about that car at Oktoberfest and all of the things that mm-hmm. happened at Oktoberfest. Andy, you were there. I was not. I read it on Facebook, just like everybody else. I wasn't really there though. I was just at the Flamingo. I didn't really <laughs> go to the track. Well, you know, you're, here, here's the thing, though. I mean, if you're at the Flamingo, you're at Oktoberfest. But if you're not at the Flamingo, you're not technically at Oktoberfest. There it is. So there it is. Fair enough. You spent some time. You definitely <laughs> made your hay there. You've been to Oktoberfest. I, I told people, hey, I behaved. I got eight hours of sleep. Just took me four days to get yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's all good. It's I Oktoberfest. got eight hours of sleep when I came back on Sunday night, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it's got to be. So, obviously, Oktoberfest this year. Um, by the way, congratulations to Dalton Zier for winning the Tour Championship. Uh, bit of drama at the end there with Austin Asen. We can get into that in a second. The teching was quite a story there. Ricky Brooks coming up. 
few more disqualifications than we're used to seeing around here. Um, Ricky is notorious for being kind of picky on some things. Your opinion as a driver, as a car owner, as someone who works on his car. just I've shared this of, opinion of a few happened. times, so I'll, I'll share this again. But uh, what, what I saw was, okay, well, going into it, my perception was Ricky Brooks is coming to Tech. Ricky Books is no nonsense. If it's not right, it's wrong. You're getting disqualified, no exceptions. That was my perception that this was going to be, you know, going into it, this was going to be hardball. Um, when I got there Thursday, I spent a lot of time watching the pre-tech process and looking to see what they were looking at specifically. Um, and my mind changed immediately on Thursday and Friday. How's my mic working? Your mic's then? getting adjusted. Yeah, your mic got adjusted. Uh, apparently, it went about forty-five degrees off center. Oh, perfect. Then you don't right have to hear me. Right when he was getting to the meat and potatoes of the of the opinion, Dan. Yeah. Now we got to make everybody wait. So no, my perception of the Ricky Brooks was wrong actually, because when I got there Thursday, he was actually spending a lot of time teaching the other tech guys that were the assistant with like the Midwest tour and stuff. Showing him specifically what he was checking, why he was checking it, how he was doing it. And then if he found things that weren't right or he didn't like, he was actually having really good conversations with the teams, explaining to them why and how to fix it and what he'd like to see when they came back. Um, the same thing kind of took place Friday there during the Dick Trickle 99. There was a lot of cars there for that race. Um, but then the, the game face, if you will, came on on Saturday. I kind of seen a different change come Saturday. It was like, you know what? This is what I'm here to do now. You guys have been here Thursday and Friday racing. I've seen these cars multiple times. If stuff's wrong now, it's it's balls and strikes now. If it's wrong, it's wrong. It's black and white. You're either changing it, you're not going on the track, or you're disqualified. So, um, yeah, there were a lot of things that came up um, throughout the weekend, you know, with uh, left side weight being too heavy, with intakes too tall, um, different things, but following the letter of the law in black and white um those were things that were all not kosher and um they were either made to change it or disqualified after the race yeah i, I mean i've i found it interesting myself just you know wondering exactly what ricky was going to bring to Oktoberfest this year and just knowing his reputation for not being shy about tossing out Kyle Busch or Chase Elliott or Christopher Bell or whoever is yeah. driving Kyle Busch's car, Chase Elliott. Uh, in my opinion, some of this stuff, can you catch it pre-race? Yes. Do you have to necessarily? No. So, you know, you get to the balls and strikes portions of things. <laughs> it's tough to see as a fan in the stands watching well, who you thought was the top three, now not the top three. So I would almost like to see, my personal opinion, if you're going to get nitpicky, especially when you have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you probably knew that intake was there. You probably knew the spacer was there. You probably knew it was wrong. Could it have been fixed prior to Sunday? So the fans who showed up on Sunday actually got to see a race i think where the line comes in with that is how much time are you going to spend with each car in pretext so things that typically get checked are the tread width of the cars the templates and the weights 
and you're through pre-tech in the 15, 20 minutes. So if you're going to do things like carburetors and spacers and everything else, you might be spending 30 to 45 minutes on each car, which for a bigger show like that and you're there all weekend, maybe that's what needs to happen. But to your point about, you know, things being a little bit maybe too picky side of things, I'll give you an example. So the final practice on Saturday um, Michael Sauter was their black number one car, mm-hmm. and he spun out in three and four and backed the car in the wall. He comes into the pits, the bumper covers hanging off the back, etc. Um, you could see the guys in the pits; they took it all apart. They had the spoiler off. They had everything. They're refabricating a rear bumper bar, getting it everything put back together. They're putting the final rivets in as guys are lined up for qualifying tech. He gets his car in line for qualifying tech. He's out of order, which is fine because what happened? Um, but I watched as he went through the referee, and the rear bumper cover height was off by maybe a quarter of an inch, and they made him pull over to the side and fix it before he could go and qualify. And I, I was just kind of as a, as a racer myself, and I was kind of looking at the situation and just saying, you know, given the circumstances of what just happened, could you not just let him qualify and maybe fix that for later? But, again, that's Ricky Brooks to the letter of law. I don't care what happened. That's not right. You're not going on the track. Go over here and fix it until it's right. It's not going out yeah. there. So, well, that I, was just one yeah. example where I was kind of like, eh, I don't, I, I don't know about that. Either way, it uh, certainly gave quite a different twist to this year's Oktoberfest and gave everybody quite a bit to talk about. Absolutely, yeah. It was, uh, it was very interesting. Even, even the conversations that were going on after the races. You know, I. Longtime racer Steve Carlson. I was talking to him about, you know, straight cut gears inside of transmissions after the Big Eight race, and it's like, yeah, all this stuff is in the rules, but at at what point is it actually giving someone a significant advantage? Right. Um, you know, but where do you draw the line? That's, the- yeah, that's where the whole argument starts to come in of what's really an advantage and what's this and what's that, but. That, again, is probably a discussion we could veer off into quite a bit. But just before we forget to wrap up that weekend, um, props again to Dalton Zier, Caleb Fulcher, that whole Coleman team. Um, they was, wrecked that car. Rough start to the weekend. Pretty bad. Yeah. They got in a spin in three and four. Hey, thanks, Dan. Pizza. Um, there was a wreck in the Trickle 99 in the first segment, and Dalton had to go high and ended up, I think he wrecked with uh, Griffin McGrath really hard in the turn Sounds three. Sounds right. It actually cracked the wall, how hard he hit. Really? And everybody right away seen the car get towed in and just said, you know what, they're done for the weekend. I don't know what they're going to do. They're in this Midwest Tour points battle. Um, I went and talked to Dalton. I offered up my car. I'm like, hey, if you, if you need a car, you can go get mine. It's just the way I left it the last Thursday. And he had mentioned Reagan May had a car that they were potentially going to get. They weren't sure what they're going to do. Um, an hour later... They're in the pits. It's starting to drizzle and rain out, and they're fixing this car. I don't think they got done fixing it till like 2.30 in the morning. Um, Scott Vandenhoeven was down there from Team 45. He's laying literally in a, in a puddle underneath the car because of the rain and stuff, um, riveting up the air box and just getting everything back out there. And I mean, they, they weren't sure how it was going to work. I think they had to re-weld on an upper control arm mount on the right front frame rail. Things just weren't kosher. We're kind of tweaked around, and... Um, they won their heat race. They did good in the feature race and ended up winning the championship. Yeah. So, you know, they, they didn't just luck into it. There was a lot of hard work that went into it, and it was pretty cool to see that pay off for somebody that went through that kind of uh, uh, challenge there Friday night. A little bit later on when we talk to Casey Johnson, you'll hear me ask him, you know, what he thought the turning point of the season was or overcoming adversity after the red race. 
well, how about overcoming <laughs> adversity two days before you're supposed to race? I mean, that's that's quite the turnaround for that team. Yeah. So it was impressive. And you weren't done racing, by the way. You ran one more time this year. Yeah, the last weekend. At Plover. Last weekend we went to Plover. and Did uh, you stay warm enough inside the race whew. car? In the race car, it was perfect. It's always so hot inside the race car, but... Yeah, we got to the track. I think it was 28 degrees out. There was still frost. <laughs> still Yeesh. frost on the grass. And uh, I it, can't imagine racing in those conditions. The, the hardest thing was, and everybody said the same thing. I talked to Frank Nitsky and Mickey Shally was there, Jake Carpenter. When we went out to scuff tires, you went out there and you swear you're on ice. The tires were cold. The track was cold. It's a slick track. And there was any just way. no bite whatsoever. Frank Nitsky actually pulled off during scuff because he thought something broke on his car. <laughs> Lowell said he's like, I, I scuffed four laps because I had, couldn't feel anything. I didn't know what was going on. So they actually gave us four laps of qualifying, which is unheard of, just because the first two laps you were just skating around to oh get my. some kind of heat in the tires to get out there. You know, guys were covering up their tires after scuff to try to keep the heat in them, putting coats and blankets <laughs> over them and doing whatever you could to get some warmth in the thing. But, yeah, get a little space heater. Yeah. Put it no. next to the tires. We had a good time. We ended up qualifying sixth and uh, ran tenth. Other uh, Kakana guys that were there, um, Bobby Kendall, I think, finished seventh. Uh, Casey Johnson was 11th. And then uh, Brazen was actually running Lowell's Kakana car. Mm-hmm. I think Brazen finished 13th or 14th. Um, and then Lowell, Jake, and uh, Jake Carpenter and Mickey Shally were um, in the last chance race, which there was a lot of carnage that, unfortunately, they couldn't avoid. Lowell got a flat mm-hmm. tire and... And Jake and Mickey's cars got tore up a little bit, so unfortunately, that was the end of their day. But it was a good time, it's a good place. It's a fun place to race at. Yeah, I don't think I got full throttle more than half a dozen times in the feature. So that's a little bit. You different. got full throttle that many times. Yeah, that many times. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you must have been spinning your tires with it being so cold. That must have been why. Yeah, it's crazy. They so. always say you can't do that there. But uh, and by the way, Ryan Farrell winning that one. Congratulations to him. Yeah, well deserved. Five five thousand dollar payday. Yeah, and and they had a room of doom set up for him too. Did they? Yeah, we stayed afterwards and hung out and stuff. And yeah. he was in there probably for an hour and a half. Ryan's a great wow. guy. He's yep. a lot of fun. So. I remember him and Jordan DeVoy as crew members for James Swan's Mid-American Ride. And now here they are, two super late model Jordan drivers. DeVoy. Yeah. It's been quite the uh, quite the road for those two. And one more race coming up. Five grand to win. Halloween. Halloween. I'll be there announcing this Saturday if the podcast gets up in time. I might stop down there, Dan. Road trip. I'm hoping You're halfway there. You're in Saturday. Yeah. I'm hoping it stays dry. Maybe. We'll see what the paycheck looks like. They're going to move that up to a 2 o'clock start? One thirty. Awesome. Yeah, one thirty was the announcement today. They're going to start move. it. Yep. Hopefully get Might the sunshine. Might just be me at that one if I do go. You and all your friends? No, just me. You oh, and all you your go. friends? Yeah. Aka <laughs> none. I'll be there. We you don't it. count. I don't You're count. already going there. I don't count as what? You're already going there, therefore you don't count. Okay, fine. By the way, I planted a seed with Dan about his bachelor party Uh-oh. at the banquet, so we're going to need to talk about that. Have you guys set a date yet? Are we still waiting on the date? Oh, what? Oh. Quasi? No, you didn't see the poll. May or September? <laughs> February. He's trying to eat a pizza. Now. Valentine's now he's Day. He's drinking some, some uh, Kermit piss over here. <laughs> yeah, it's rather green. So it's sometime in September of 2020. That's all we know so far. September 2020. You guys are planning this one well out. 
better to plan it well out and save up fifty dollars a week than what it is to plan it six yeah, months in advance. Go. There you go. Try and save up five grand in six months. I thought they'd go down. You know, the Dells has a little wedding chapel behind the showboat bar, right next to mini golf. So you guys could go get married at the Dells Chapel, then hit up mini golf, and you're just you're good to go. And then go to the races. Yeah, exactly. Don't forget to bungee jump when you're in the Dells. Yeah, it'd be a great a zip line. Screw that. <laughs> no. <laughs> zip no. line. Uh-uh. All right. No heights for me. Well, I think we've pretty much uh, run out of some good time. There's a lot of rumors stirring about some things. I've heard about a two dozen uh, Pathfinder cars that are all of a sudden going to come to Kakana. I've heard year. there might be some extra racing at Kakana next year. I mean, we just keep adding more and more divisions. Oh, I don't know if it would necessarily all be on uh, Thursday night, though. Really? I won't say anything, but that's post podcast talk, right? That's post podcast talk. But all right, I'm sure you folks will hear about it soon. But uh, yeah, there might be a little bit more stirring this season at WI. Is this macaroni and cheese pizza? Yep. I would hope so. It kind of tasted like what I had at Sal's one night after too much fun. Mm. I can you still remember it? Cheese pizza. You Sal's can still remember good. that? Oh, I mean, yeah, too oh, okay. And he was hanging out down in the app. All right. Well, we are going to go into our interviews now. First up, the 2018 Super Late Model Champion, Casey Johnson. Here with the 2018 Fox River Racing Club champion, Casey Johnson, back behind the wheel of the Chase Motorsports 47 car. Casey, how much did you miss it last year? <laughs> I missed it a lot. I actually uh, tuned into Race Monitor every week just to, you know, kind of keep up on the results. And uh, I know after two full seasons of racing on Thursday nights, you could definitely tell that uh, you were missing out on something. You were very successful that first year, but it really kind of pales in comparison to where you guys were at this year. Just... Tell me about getting back with Dennis and what changed, if anything, this year or what you guys improved upon from two years ago. Well, the the year we took off together was really nothing to do relationship-wise. Uh, it was just uh, kind of a chassis manufacturer deal and uh, ties that I had in other places. And uh, it, I don't know that either one of us actually wanted to split apart. Um, we remained good friends, you know, in that offseason. He came and helped me on some of my stuff, and uh, the opportunity arose, you know, for this year to, to get back in the seat for him, and I jumped right at it because I figured we'd have a championship caliber team. Started off real strong this year. Fast qualifying times, everything was good. Up until the red race, you had that <laughs> issue in the dash. Were you concerned that that might be the thing that ended up costing you a shot at the title this year, or did you feel like... It was early enough in the year, something you could overcome. I, I knew, uh, I knew it was going to be a little bit of a setback, but I, I knew for sure. I never, never had any doubt that the team uh, wasn't strong enough to bounce back from it. I knew the car was fast enough, and I knew as long as we did what we knew how to do, we would probably be able to get back on top of the game. And you guys, at one point, and you, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. Was it the next week that you actually had to bring in a different car? Yeah, we brought in our, uh, well, Dennis built two cars this offseason. The other one was made basically for traveling, and uh, it had a Hamner spec motor where you got to add a little bit of weight to run uh, weekly competition. And I was totally against bringing it, but he assured me about ten times that we'd be just fine. We actually qualified second and ended up winning the race with it. What, uh, what other aspects of this season do you think you really picked up on? I think one thing people probably notice about you is your ability just to go inside, outside, anywhere you had to go on the track to make a pass. 
is that something that you attribute to being comfortable in the car? Is that your driving style? How would you how would you play that out? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, for some reason, I just kind of adapted to Kakana. I mean, uh, the, for my first laps around there, I'm like, I don't, I do not know how anybody's going to race side by side here, just because you're going so fast, you're on edge. And I ran my first race there, and I passed. It was actually a Tundra race, and I passed from 12th to first on the outside, pretty much. I mean, just rolled it. And uh, ever since then, I mean, I just high low it didn't matter that's what i love about the place you there's like three different grooves you can run and be fast and uh i i think it's it's probably a comfort thing i would say you've won track championships before jefferson three correct uh yeah three jefferson you know. three okay what makes this one different aside from it being a different track different division what makes this championship different for you? well like you said um i've been fortunate enough in my career i think we've won man with with the cars out of my shop i think we've won like 12 or 13 championships but uh i know how long dennis chase has been uh hunting for this kakana championship and it's all he ever talks about to be honest with you i mean we we could go win 100 races and he would still tell me about the kakana championship so uh that was my biggest thing is he deserved to win one he's had great drivers in his cars he's had a lot of great equipment and uh never had the championship and that's what i was hunting for so hard let's talk a little bit about your career and where you were prior to coming to kakana a lot of late model, the 8-inch tire kind of stuff. You mm-hmm. moved up to the Super Lates a couple of years ago. Uh, where did you come from? The, the first time I ever remember hearing about you, you're kicking butt at Jefferson. Yep. Was there anything before that, or did you just jump right into the late model? How did it start off for Casey No, I, honestly, uh, I drove a Bandit car at Jefferson Speedway. My dad used to race late models out there, and he bought me a Bandit car when I was 14. And uh, I actually destroyed it about halfway through my first year. And I wasn't quite old enough to get in and race at Jefferson, so uh, they let me practice on Thursday nights when I was 15. I got in. My dad's limited late and uh, just made laps. And then when I was 16, he let me actually go out there and run. And uh, it's been uh, all limited late racing, you know, there. And then uh, I finally got into a super late when I was uh, about 19. And I've uh, been running both since. What was the biggest step for you from the late model to the super late model was it a huge step or some people even say it's a little bit easier because you have more tire and they handle a little bit better did you feel that way or was it more power did it kind of even out how did it work out for you so i actually uh super late around here are basically all two barrel races you know you and then uh but uh my brilliant idea was to go down to rockford for the uh, 200 lap race uh that they have at the end of the year short track championships which is all uh four barrel carburetors so you're making about 600 horsepower so i didn't go just from limited lates to a two barrel super late i went to a four barrel super late and uh at first i thought we bit off more than i could chew because we were in the first 100 lap segment i went a lap down we came in and there was actually a flat right rear tire so i went a lap down and uh, I raced my lap back, and I ended up uh, chasing down Rich Bickle for the lead. I ended up finishing second, but I was ducking underneath him in my first ever, ever super late race. And uh, kind of from then on, I knew I could do it. You know, I raced against one of the best there, and I was just hungry to get some wins after that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you and Rich have a pretty good talk after that one, and didn't he uh, kind of have some discussion with you about where to go from there? Yeah, Rich actually, uh, he has taught me an absolute ton about how to conserve a super late model. You know, I mean, a lot of them longer races, it's real easy to just go out, you know, wide open the whole time. And, uh, I mean, that's just not my style anymore, which it probably would be if he wouldn't have taken me under his wing and kind of tell me a few things about super late racing and how to, you know, get the most out of your car in a 200-lap race and stuff like that. Any other big influences on your career? 
Oh, there's been a ton of them. I mean, uh, I mean, my early days at Jefferson, I mean, Johnny Overdahl was the guy to beat, and I followed him for a bunch of races, and he kind of showed me how to drive and how to rut guys off the bottom without wrecking them and things like that. I mean, there's a ton. Uh, the most, I mean, though, is, I mean, my dad, he, uh, he, he was never much of a driver himself, and I, I think that it's more of an equipment thing. He uh, did what he could with uh, what he had. But uh, ever since the start of it, I mean, I used to be a rough driver, and it really wouldn't have respected the way I drove myself. But, uh, you know, he kind of told me, you know, we, to win these races, we don't have to run through everybody. He said, you can actually race them, you know. And it took a little while to get that through my head, and now I think it's embedded in there pretty good, and it's kind of made me the driver I am now. What was the vibe like when you came here for the first time? What did Were you accepted well in the pits? Uh, did you warm up to some drivers? Did you get approached by some drivers? What was it like when you first started racing here? Well, uh, to be honest, Kakan is kind of a tight-knit um, group. You know, uh, I, I wouldn't say they don't accept outsiders, you know, a lot, but uh, they're definitely they're their own group. And uh, now that I've raced here for a few years, I mean, I talk to all the guys quite a bit, Andy, Kyle, I mean, all, all them guys, I mean, they're great to race with. They trust me on the track, and so we're real good now. But uh, definitely it's kind of an initiation to get to that point. So with all the championships you won, the WIR championship now, the red, white, and blue, two Tundra championships, Big 8, Jefferson, you feel like you met your career expectations? Do you think there's more on the table for you yet? No, there's more. Um, I'm I'm only 28. I mean, it's old in this day and age, but uh, I think there's a lot of winning left in uh, in the tank. So, uh, like I say, I, I get to I get to think about the championships we've won for about a couple hours, then I go work on the race cars and think about the next ones I'm going to win, and that's what keeps driving me. So, uh, no, there's definitely more. I was talking to Julie a little bit earlier, and she said, yeah, definitely want to get you back in the 47 car this year mm-hmm. so fans can look forward to that. I want to talk a little bit more about the relationship you have with the Chase family because now it, it seems almost like they've taken you under your wing as like a son or a nephew or, mm-hmm. or something like that. You guys kind of seem like one big happy family. Now. Oh, definitely. It's just the way they've accepted my wife. and Julie and my wife, they talk all the time. Me and Dennis are constantly bouncing ideas off each other. My kids, I mean, they're, they run right up to Julie after the race. I mean, it's it's like a, a big family deal. And that's, like I say, with that year we took off, it was it was nothing of our doing. I mean, we knew we had to split up for that year, but we really didn't want to, you know. So, uh, no, it's a great relationship I got with them. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Tell me about some of the people that are making it possible for you, sponsors, the crew people, uh, you know, who put that 47 card at the championship this year? Uh, the the biggest guy out of the shoot there is uh, Benny and his wife from Valley Gasket. I mean, they, uh, they've been with the Chase family for, since they've started, and uh, I know we've gotten some pretty tight spots where Benny's pulled through for them, and uh, that's the biggest one there. And then uh, Pete Van Zeelen, um, he uh, keeps that, uh, that 47 car nice and pretty all year long. I know uh, we'll wreck a fender, and Pete will have one back brand new painted blue for us the next week. And uh, I know they got a pile of sponsors in that 47. Hamner Racing Engines, uh, FRS Shocks, those guys keep us going. Pathfinder Chassis, obviously. So. All right. And back to it again in 2019. Yeah, let's hope so, huh? If I don't get fired. <laughs> so Casey Johnson picks up the 2018 title, his first win in Dennis Chase, that title that he's been looking for. And in the late models, Jesse Bernhagen took home the title. We talked to him, too. Jesse Bernhagen is the 2018 Fox River Racing Club champion. Jesse, after coming so close last year, what does it feel like to get it done this year, and what did it take to get it done this year? Uh, this year it took just kind of better luck. Last year we had a uh, fuel pump 
fall apart halfway through a feature and we had a spark plug <coughs> we had a spark plug fall off halfway through a feature and that took us took us out of the running in two races um this year it feels a lot better to just close it out and finally win a championship after finishing second Adele so many times and finishing second here last year it just feels nice to win like to finish the deal off you qualified so well this year I think what did you end up with 10 11 fast times at the end of the year uh just tell me about the emphasis you guys put on qualifying and and what it took for you to to do that each and every week yeah um the emphasis that we put on it as far as like setup and stuff goes we 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 had a setup for qualifying, and that was what we stuck with. We never deviated from it. We found a, a shock package that worked, and that's what we we tried to stick with. Um, the points and how they they shape up, like that's what you want is to qualify first, um, because if you qualify first, and if you just gain one position in the dash, you're going to gain a point on whoever qualified second, and so on. Um, my technique for qualifying, a lot of it had to do before, like before you even took the green flag. Um, when you leave the exit ramp out of turn two, um, if you get up to speed right away as quickly as you can, I think that that really benefits the first and second lap. Um, you know, by the time that you're on the second lap, everybody's going the same speed. But if, if you have a super fast first lap, you're going to be able to to maximize that second lap even more. And I think if you look at my first laps, they were usually some of the fastest out of anybody who competed. You changed tire compounds this year. The entire class did in the late models. And it was a tire you were familiar with because you had raced on it at Dells the year before. And I think when we had touched base earlier in the season, you had mentioned you felt like you had an advantage with the tire, or at least felt like you were a little bit more comfortable with it. Yeah, there's a the D800 is a little bit wider, and there's different uh, tire pressures that it likes better on the left rear. It, it likes a little bit more air is what we found. Um, and that's definitely helped out the first half of the year until I think, you know, Brazen and Mike and the other guys sort of started to figure that out a little bit. Um, but by that time, we had already had such a big jump on it that it didn't it didn't matter what they did because we already knew the tire and the tire pressure combinations and stuff like that. Um, I, it, by the end of the year, I don't know how big of an effect it had. I think we all had it figured out. But certainly in the start of the year, that was when we were clicking off all those fast times over and over again. That was when it was really making a difference. When I look at championship seasons, I like to look at maybe possible adversity that someone had overcome, something that maybe could have changed the direction of things. And I think for you, you held control pretty much throughout the year. But toward the end of the year, you had the injury. You were racing on one bad foot. But you overcame that, yeah. correct? I, I did. Up until now, I'm still dealing with it. But um would there be anything else maybe you thought you overcame earlier in the season, or was that really the, that big, was, the big sticking point? That was year? the big sticking point. I was waiting for that big moment all year because every year that we've competed for a championship at a high level, something stupid happens along the way. Like either we get in a stupid wreck or our fuel pump falls apart. So that's happened to us twice. Um, yeah, so I was waiting for it, and then it happened at home to a, my body, not, not the race car or anything that happened on the track. And... Um, we managed to to overcome it and um thankfully we got the rain out because i don't know when it originally first happened and i still had stitches in the foot i don't know if i would have been able to get a shoe on the foot um but to have the rain out and have the chance to come out the next week and compete and be able to put enough pressure on it to put the brake down where it needed to be and stuff that made the difference you know it so yeah 
let's rewind a little bit to talk about where you've come from as far as a race car driver. You know, we can go all the way back to your Bandolero days and we can talk about your Dells Raceway Park days, but what I really want to touch on is why did you decide to start coming and racing at WIR? You had come here on and off a little bit a few seasons ago, then full-time for the first time last year, back this year for the championship. Uh, it's tough for you from Marcus and now from Stevens Point to get here on Thursday night. I know crew is also kind of a tough thing for you. It always has been just kind of you and your dad and a few other people. How did you decide that it was time to come here to Kakana and run full-time, and, and what was what was the factor in that decision? So originally it was just based off of we, we liked the track and we ran good. Um, in 2015 when the Big 8 came that first time, we ran really good. We set fast time. Shoulda, coulda, won won the race. Um, then we came back in 2016 and ran the red, white, and blue. And we saw how efficient you guys run the program. You know, we, get to the tr we start practice at 5.05. You're qualifying by 5.45. You're racing by 6.45. And you're going home by 9.30 on, on a good night. A bad night, it's 10, 10 o'clock, which is every track's good night, if you're lucky. Um, so that was what we really admired about it when we ran the red, white, and blue. So in 2017, when we came back and we saw it in full swing and we saw it every single night, um, and how, one, how the club runs the show. Um, it's ran by the racers. Um, you know, the, the pay structure was good. The one-tire night rule is what we like. Um, in reality, it was just, it's... The track itself is just ran so well, and you guys get huge crowds, and the com the competition level is another really important thing that I looked at because I don't, I, I'm not the kind of guy that would want to win a championship racing against one other car or nobody. You know, if there's if there's 20 cars that are there but they're not a high level team, so we came here where you have eight or nine guys that can win a race on any given night. That makes it a challenge, and. You know, yeah, we set a lot of fast times, and we proved that we were the fastest car, but that didn't mean that we were the best race during the race team. And um, it took a lot of time to get to that point, and that's where we finally got this year to, to be able to make it 20 laps and prove that we were the best. And it felt good when we could do that because you were beating some of the best competition in the state. So let's rewind a little bit further then and talk about where you came from prior to this. I had been watching you race at Dells, and I know you started racing there. You were probably in 13 or 14 racing in late models before that, Bandoleros. Before that, your dad was tied to John Zimmerman, winning some championships. The racing history is pretty thick with you, is it not? Yeah, it goes, I mean, I've, I started going to the racetrack probably in 1995 when I was two years old to watch John and my dad. Um, and... And we started racing go-karts when I was five and got into the bandoleros, like you said. But the late model stuff kicked up when I was about 14. And that all started at the Dells. And back then we had 29, 30 cars a night, and it was amazing. Um, and it was a lot of cut-your-teeth nights. We didn't make a lot of semi-features. And we really didn't hit our stride until probably 2012. And that was when we started winning features and, and making a name for ourselves. Um, we had a good year in the Big 8 Series that year. And we really started to travel a lot in 2012 and 2013. By 2016, we had raced on every track in the state, and it was um, just really in full swing as far as like my development as a driver and my dad's development as a as a crew chief as far as like knowing what to do with the car and getting out and adventuring to all those different tracks. It just it helps create a full rounded team that can come and win a championship at a place like Kakana that's different than every other track by far. Um, there's no place else 
like it, and you can take all that knowledge that you've acquired over the years and translate it to a championship. And for some of the people that may not know about what you've been doing away from Kakon, obviously you're racing here every Thursday night, you win the championship, but you won the CWRA Rookie of the Year, been traveling a little bit more to some of the other tracks. What's what's the plan going forward for you? You're still a pretty young guy. Yeah. I know you're going to be getting married, so <laughs> yeah. that's got to be something that factors in as well. But what are you looking for to 2019 and maybe further than that? Yeah, so next year... Uh, we got to kind of put racing on pause because we're getting married in the middle of July. Um, we're also moving to Nielsville, Wisconsin, uh, which is halfway to Eau Claire from where I live now, which makes it really hard to get here on a Thursday night. Um, it's a two-hour drive from there. But um, it gets you closer to the western tracks, uh, the Dells, Plover, Marshfield, and that throws your hat into the ring of super late model racing, which is something that we want to try and do at some point. Um, we still have two cars, which means that we could uh, transition the red car into a super late model and maybe come back and play around with the red, white, and blue series in the super late model, thrown out there. Um, and the, the black car will probably stay as a CWRA car. Um, we really like that series. Uh, obviously, winning the rookie of the year, we had a good amount of success, and that was with missing a race. Um, so the, the tentative plan is just maybe, maybe hit a few super late model shows um, and and try and go to the bigger late model shows. We'll be at the Dixieland, uh, Dixieland Delight this year uh, with the Big 8 Series and the, the bigger Big 8 shows. Probably not run a full season with them, but just kind of hit the bigger shows. All right, who made it possible for you this year? I don't want to put you too much on the spot with the sponsors. I know you remember a lot of them. Yeah. As many as you can rattle off is good, but then the crew people as well. I know your dad's a, a huge part of things and back to yeah. coming as well too. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to spend too much time on my dad because I can talk about how much he means for hours. Um, Ken Marquardt helped us out a ton this year. Dennis Trapp, Ron Severson, uh, my fiance Becca. Um, and then the, the main sponsors are Chris's Foral and Gifts, Eckerd Trucking, uh, Schultz Transport, Superheat Air and Cooling, um, Quaid Trucking, and uh, B&H Builders. Um, we have a ton more that help us out tremendously, uh, but to, to keep it short for you, I'll, I'll stop there. Well, that'll do it for us, and a big thanks once again to the X-Bar, the sponsor of the Rumble Over the Thunder podcast. We're here on Monday, and it was $5 pitchers. They were doing dart leagues here, too. Are you into anybody into the dart leagues out there? You might want to get in on it. And I think they got pool going on, too. Sometimes I drive like a dart without a feather. Does that count? I suppose. Just all over the place? Yeah. 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 Just don't tell your employer about that. <laughs> hey, maybe no, that I meant on the was, racetrack. Was that oh. Plover? Yeah, that Driving was like a dart? In practice, yeah. 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 No, shout out to X-Bar yes. and Rookie of the Year, late model class. Indeed. Craig Krieger. Craig Krieger. Picking up his plaque. At did the he win Rookie of the Year in the sport truck traveling thing too? Good question. I think he did. I don't they Kyle, didn't have their banquet yet. I think it's in November. Kyle, Kyle Quella won the whole deal. I know that. I think Craig was the uh, Rookie of the Year in the sport truck. KQ. We'll find out here in just a second. Dan's trying to find out. While he does... What do you say? Should we try to make some picks? Following. Following. It's kind we'll of our do last, a following and kind then of our we'll last have to chance. do a snowball derby. Yeah. Last chance before the snowball derby. Yeah, rookie of the year in the traveling series. Sport trucks. Were you the rookie of the year in the sport trucks traveling? Oh, oh. Cody did. Okay. Cody Cody, Cody, Cody Vanderloop. Yep. So that would be two rookie of the year things. Nice. Titles for him. Yep. Okay. Dan. I believe I won. I believe I won the last time. I don't know. Yep. I don't know who's gonna be there. 
I haven't really been paying attention. Who's been at the last four? Okay, I'm going to throw it out there. Strelka. Nope, I don't. uh, I don't think Brent's going. Kendall? Hang on. Kendall will be there. Kendall will be there. I'm throwing out Kendall then. Kendall's a good pick. Kendall's always a good pick pick out at the Dells. Um, Andy, would you like to go next? Only fair. I think last time I picked Skylar Holzhausen, and that was going well. And then you informed me that he got wrecked on a restart or something. Right? Right. So... Hold on, let me see. I got right, let's got let's let's talk about some of the entries here. All right, all right. I'll roll through them. We'll make it uh, real quick. Abe Byers, Alex Papini, Andrew Morrissey, Bobby Kendall, Brandon Hill, Brian Johnson Jr., Carson Quapple, Casey Johnson, Dalton Zier, Dan Fredrickson, Dennis Brunty, Dennis Schmidt, Dylan Hammond, Jake Selmer, Jay Vandergeese, Jeff Holmgren, John Beal, John Reynolds Jr., Jonathan Island, Justin Monday, Keith Tolf, Mark Lamoro, M.G. Gajewski, Michael Bilderback, Mike Litchfield. Ryan DeStefano, Ryan Farrell, Skyler Holzhausen, Todd Stenson. I can think of about 12 guys on this list that I that you could be right with. I'll take Carson Quapple. Not a bad pick. Not a bad pick. Ah, you know what? I'm going to go with Island. He won the last time I was down there. Why not? Right? There you go. Jonathan Island picking up another one. Let's go with that. How many guys on that list do you actually think are not going to come? It's hard to tell now. Now that it got delayed a week because right. this is from last week, so we'll see. Hopefully they all show up. That's uh, like it seems like Dan Fredrickson is on every entry <laughs> list, and then he races five times a year. I know. <laughs> I'm coming, but I'm not. I'm coming if everybody wants to go with my family. Nope, we're not coming. Yeah. Uh, he's got a lot of kids, though. He does. He's got a hockey team, five, at least five, so can't blame him. All right, well, it's great to see you guys again. We shouldn't go this long without seeing each other and communicating. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well. Eh, it happens. We I kind of enjoyed the break from you, too. <laughs> uh, oh. At least one of us is honest. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's not all walking by my house anymore. It's too cold. So I did today. To did you? Yeah, it was nice out today, right away after work. That's hard to do, though. I want to nap after work now. So. You were walking with the wind, too. It's a little windy. I was for a little while, and then I had to go back against yeah. it, which wasn't great. You know, I'm going to be brutally honest. This season took a lot out of me, so I was glad for the break as well. You did. You did a lot, Dan. And just so you know, yeah. Dan Strong Productions is selling DVDs Still of got the entire DVDs. race season for any division you want for $20. You seen the or the that deal. whole division, yeah. or the whole season of all divisions for 120 should have seen the stack he had at the banquet. He was passing out after people purchased. Tons of them. Yeah. It's good stuff. I've watched a few of them now in our short off-season already that are on YouTube, and you do a nice job. Thank you. Yeah, and great work is always on the podcast, too. Thank you. All right. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to give him that. <laughs> the videos are good. I don't know about the podcast. Yeah, right. Nobody listens to it As anyway. long as he edits out the beginning of this one, we'll be happy. Who are the list it. of people that actually listen again? Dave Motorson, Tracy Springstrow. Ricky Coffert. Ricky Coffert. Um, Mark mom. Aaron, Mark Allen. My mom. There's like six people. Yeah, Tom Schlimm. people that listen. Yeah, yeah we, got, we got five or six. We got them. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse Bernhagen listens, and now that he's on it, oh, Jesse and it. Andy. Yeah, will Dennis listen. Chase yeah. and Julie Chase yeah, will listen. Okay. Whole gang. All right. Well, to those six listeners, we thank you for being loyal once again. And until next time, stay out of trouble.